Welcome to StoryWise, the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am a story career consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination through one-on-one consult seminars and teleseminars. And I am absolutely honored to have with me here today as my guest for the second time, uh, Glenn Mazzara. Glenn was my very first guest, and I got such tremendous feedback on his podcast. And he recently became the executive producer on The Walking Dead, um, a show that I know so many of you are interested in hearing about. So I invited him back to talk about The Walking Dead and what he's done since we last spoke and what he plans on doing in the future. So welcome, Glenn. Thanks for having me back. It is a pleasure to have you back. And let me remind you Glenn's background. Glenn was on The Shield for six years. He was on Life for how many years? Just the first year. First year of Life. And he created Crash on Stars. And he is now, he, in the interim, he um, did Criminal Minds, Suspect Behavior. I suspect was a, Behavior, the new one. He was a consulting producer. Right. And, and I was, uh, I did Hawthorne for two years. I was showrunner for the second season. Great. Well, look at you. Thank you. One of the busiest men <laughs> in Hollywood. My gosh. <laughs> You've worked consistently for how many years now? Uh, I've had a good run. I've been working consistently since the shield um 2001 wow when we that is show. fantastic thank you congratulations and what i love more than anything is hearing um what a positive place you're in now like yeah. that makes me really happy well, i'm happy I, I um we're doing the second season of walking dead um 13 episodes for amc it'll be on in october and I'm happier now than I've ever been. I'm just really excited. Uh, Frank Darabont, who obviously uh, uh, wrote and directed Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile, is the showrunner. Great. Creator, Big fan. Creator yeah. of the show. Yeah. Robert Kirkman's the creator of the comic book. He's uh, an executive producer, fully involved. Great. Gail Ann Hurd. A uh, renowned producer of the Terminator. Yeah, you got a great team and, over and, there, and we have a fantastic writing staff. Oh, that's and, great! And it's all about the work, and we're really uh, the material. I think is is very very exciting, and it's the sort of stories that you can't shut off. You're really thinking a lot about it. How about this? You're tweaking the scene. It's it's just it's very exciting, and I think what's um, been the biggest surprise about the entire experience is the way we're actually writing the show. Right. Which is, I think, unique to this show. Right. And completely different from anything I've ever been involved with. Yeah, because you went from major network stuff mm-hmm. to now into cable, and I know you did Crash, mm-hmm. and then this. Why don't we start with discussing what that transition is like and what the difference is between network writing and cable writing? Well, just recently, you know, I, I, I for a while I wrote on The Shield. I went after that to some network shows. I, I, um, 
Then I went back to cable. Uh, I did Crash, which was obviously a, a premium cable. Mm-hmm. Then I went to TNT for Hawthorne. Uh, then back to network. Now I'm back on cable on AMC. What was interesting is at one point I was doing them simultaneously. I was working on Hawthorne. I was um, doing post-production on the last few episodes of season two. And I was writing a freelance episode of The Walking Dead for season one of Walking Dead. Wow. And I was writing that on at, at night you know, um, uh, what turned out to be their fifth episode out of six. Great. So what was interesting was the early drafts of my script were very on the nose. People were saying exactly what they needed to say, exactly what they were thinking. And I got some terrific notes from the writers, uh, not only Frank Darabont, the showrunner, but also Chick Egley, Adam Fierro, Jack LaJudas, to pull it back. And so I saw that the writing I was doing for Hawthorne had affected what I was doing for The Walking Dead. So I did a pass where I just looked at every single line and said, what is somebody saying and how can they just say it one off? You know, just even dropping a word, just right. having somebody not finish a line, having somebody stutter, just just anything. Feel just the subtext. Yeah. And that's what it was. Because yeah. then when I went to Criminal Mind Suspect Behavior, that is a show that does not allow for subtext. Right. And the um, machinery behind a lot of network dramas, particularly the executives giving notes where they are worried about confusing the audience. Right. They constantly give notes to make this clearer. Hit right. it harder. Right. Let's say it again. Right. Particularly at the script level. And that stuff should be broomed out in the cut. And a lot of times it doesn't get broomed out. So on, these sh- on that show, for example, you have Forrest Whitaker leading a team of investigators. And those people actually say things like, I hope we get this guy. Or he's not going to stop until we catch him. Right. And that's just horrible. Right. That's just horrible. And um, what's interesting is the only people who have subtext in that show are the serial killers. Right. Because you really don't know what they're they're talking about. You don't want to make what they're thinking obvious. Right. Right. So it becomes a question of how do you make those characters compelling? On The Walking Dead, that's not an issue. You are trying to do something that is one – uh, uh, more compelling, more character-driven, uh, something that you expect the audience is going to lean in and 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 want to, uh, yes, be entertained, but want to do some work that they don't want to be spoon-fed. Uh, so there's there's a, uh, a type of writing, I think, that just, just basic good writing ends up um, more indulged right. in cable or on cable than on network, where it's really about um, not confusing or losing the audience. Right. You know? Well, and I think the freedom, and I love that you're talking about this, because I definitely think the art Mm -hmm. is on cable. And definitely I think that there are some network shows that I think are, like, I think The Good Wife is probably one of the best written 
network shows mm-hmm. on right now. And so in, in the subtext in The Good Wife is definitely something that you feel. And versus like say Mad Men where it, the art of the subtext mm-hmm. is, is incredible as far as theme and symbolism and message and tying all that together without having to have the dialogues say exactly what you want to say mm-hmm. so i and, and i would say with the walking dead i agree with you like i'm watching the i watched the pilot again today and it was amazing to me to look at what you're talking about as far as the subtext it almost was like a movie mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i and the, and so that's that's fantastic when you're thinking up scripts now like how is the process different when you start story on cable versus network one second before okay. we get to that, if I could just mention about yeah. Good Wife, okay, because it's funny you should that. say that. I actually just watched the Emmy screener, all four episodes that they submitted for right. the Good Wife. Right. What's interesting about the Good Wife? I think it's a terrific show. Right. And this is not a show that I would expect me to like. Right. What's interesting is I give the producers, the writers, and Juliana Margulies a lot of credit right. because she's incredibly underwritten. Right. There are many scenes in which she has no dialogue. Right. And she's just playing things for a look. I agree. This goes against what a lot of actors feel they have to do on screen, where they have to drive action, where they have to it's, they have to have all the answers. They have to be the smartest person in the room. She may be the smartest person in the room. I'd have to think about whether or not she is. She probably right. is. Right. But the way that that character listens and watches the world around her, mm-hmm. and you see the wheels turning, Right. I would expect that on cable. Right. So I the agree. fact that it's done successfully on network, uh, I congratulate that, that outfit for doing that. Yeah. I think it's a terrific show. Michelle and Robert King, and mm-hmm. yeah, they have amazing mm-hmm. Scott Free Very, works with them. Yeah. It's a brave choice. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you want to ask again about? Yes, the, as okay. far as, so... When you look at like your, uh, no, I'm glad that you brought that up about The Good Wife because mm. I, I definitely think it is the subtext in it and the what they leave to the actor and she in particular is is mm. what makes mm. it so incredible. And, and when you look at cable shows, uh, there is a difference in the writing. So mm. it's, mm. it's interesting for a writer who's been trained mm-hmm. in one aspect, certainly you coming from The Shield, versus and going into first crash and then into the the walking dead uh i know hawthorne is cable but not as much as like crash and the walking dead right right right? so what what is how has your own process changed through that evolution oh well i'd have to think about how my own process has changed i think i've been able to look for the structure in a story I, I when I start writing a script, I look for the money scenes. What 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 do I want my character? What's a great scene where my character has does something cool, uh, uh, drives the action, gets their heart broken, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then and then how do I build to those moments? So I I think that what happens is when I look at scripts that aren't working. It's really mostly a structural issue mm-hmm. because I find writers know right, what they are looking for, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to either take their time with this scene or build to it or they feel they need set up scenes. You know, um, I did a panel once with a, 
a gentleman who worked for Aaron Sorkin. Right. And he said Sorkin's approach was, I don't care about what's coming next. I don't, it's not even on his radar. He looks at, you know, I have a two-page scene. How can I make that scene as interesting as possible? Right. And he just burns it out. I he just that. tries to pack everything into that scene, really tries to make that scene. And then he worries about what's coming next. I right. think sometimes people have the finish line in mind too much. Right. And so I try to say, okay, I've been using this. Right. How can I make this scene interesting? How can I, whatever I was saving, I'm going to pull it up. I'm right. going to try to back my characters into a corner where I can't even figure out how they're going to get out of it. Right. So instead of saying, having a scene, well, no, I can't have that person say it because it steps on this scene in act three. Right. I have them say it. And I'll figure out something for Act 3 when I get there. And then you escalate it. Yeah. 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 And you figure it yeah. out. And if it gets too big, you can always go back and rewrite yeah. it. Yeah. What's been interesting about the way we're writing The Walking Dead, if I could talk about this in particular, yeah, is Frank Darabont is a uh, feature writer-director. Uh, he does have a TV credit where he was a staff writer on Young Indiana Jones. That was before Shawshank. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and George Lucas was the showrunner. Yeah, I remember that show. So we are using their method. Right. Where we hired our staff. Right. And sat in the room for about six weeks. Right. Talking through the season. And we had um, six writers on staff, including Frank, myself, Robert Kirkman, Evan Riley, who comes off of Rescue Me, right. Angela Kang, who was on Terriers, and Scott Gimple, who was on Life after I left and yeah. Flash Forward. So these are, they're and all new. Are they all new to Walking Dead? Everyone's new right? to Walking Dead. Yeah. Great. And, and uh, David Leslie Johnson, who's a feature writer who just wrote um, Clash of the Titans 2 and Red Riding Hood. Right. So... Um, what we did was we talked through the entire season and we really hit the first eight mm -hmm. episodes mm -hmm. hard. Right. Okay? We felt like there was a natural arc in those first eight. And we decided this is what's going to be this episode. This is what's going to be in that one. This is the beginning, middle, end of this. This is where the high point comes. This is the twist. These are the character arcs. And we pitched that material to... Gail Ann Hurd and the other producers, and then we pitched it to AMC. Everybody was ecstatic. And then we went off simultaneously and wrote the first seven scripts. Over a two-week period, everyone wrote. Wow. So this is a big gamble. Yes. Because most TV shows that I've been involved with write One stories episode at a time. Sequentially. Yeah. yeah. And uh, eventually a script breaks down. And there's nothing, and the pipeline breaks down. And this is where shows get behind schedule. So it was a big gamble on Frank's part. Frank's script came in, and it was terrific. And all of the other scripts came in. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of overlap. We had uh, a lot of housekeeping. We spent about a week and a half going through the script saying, okay, well, you guys wrote the same scene, so now how do we differentiate it? We had one character where everyone kept hitting the same note over and over. Right. So we had to arc her out. Right. Uh, we had one script had some needed to be reboarded. We had one script that um, uh, now that we were developing the material or pulling things up, you know, number seven, we had to go back and now add new material. 
we start shooting June 6th and we'll have seven scripts fully written and yeah. an eighth broken and and being written and and that's unprecedented yeah. and, and and I think it's a great system It is a great system. What's interesting about it is it puts all of the pressure on the writers. You need to be able to beat it out by yourself, talk to the other writers, work it out, take a shot. Uh it, it was difficult, it, but it was very very freeing and and uh, Frank has been able to put his stamp on the material, but not in a way where he's taking it and completely rewriting it for someone. So it's it's really been so a, a, a fun yes. show to write. It's <laughs> yeah. been great, and yeah. and and you don't have the pressure now of this un, uh, you know this difficult schedule yeah to keep yeah so everyone can just focus on making the material better and better yeah and it's it's been a real joy well uh, it sounds very productive i mean yeah. i remember when i was at spelling that aaron spelling before every season started and it didn't mean we always hit it but it was five had to be in the can that right. was like right. his rule five had to be in the can when production started and it does make for less stress. And certainly on some of the shows, though, we were doing 22 and 26 episodes. So there ultimately at times would be doubling up um, that they had to do. But but I think um, what I love about that story-wise, it is fascinating. And, I mean, the great thing about writing when you get it all done and then it's just the editing and the mm -hmm, re-arcing, mm -hmm. um, I think that's a great approach. Yeah, it's been interesting because every show in Hollywood, every season says we're going to get ahead and they really don't. Right. And somehow we did it right. by forcing all the writers to write simultaneously. Right. That was the magic key yeah. here. Which makes each writer yeah. have an independent sense of being able to really create, which is great. Which I mean, is, yeah. Right. And and because if you're only discussing the episodes in a cursory manner, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of room for the individual writer's voice. Right. You have to be. You have to fill yes. up the, the page count. Yes. So maybe you, you know, you go off to write and you only have 10, 15 scenes. Well, right. you're not going to turn in a 10, 15 page script. Right. So it was really, you know, Frank saying to the writers, okay, show me what you've got. And, and free and is a great word. Yeah, I like that it was free. Everybody uh, yeah. responded. Yeah. So it, was, it was great. Oh, no, I admire him. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we'll do is we are going to take our first break, and then you touched on something I want to go into when we come back. I want to go into the idea of how the writer utilizes their voice mm -hmm. on somebody else's show. Okay. Okay? Sure. And we are out with Glenn Mazzara. We will be back. This is Jen Grisanti at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision. And we are back with Glenn Mazzara of The Walking Dead. You touched on something that um, I've, I once had someone say to me, 
because I, I teach a class called Finding Your Voice and going into how um, knowing your voice is what makes you stand out as a writer when an executive has 300 scripts to read. And I was asked the question, well, how do you um, utilize your voice when you're on a spec when you're on a current show because it's somebody else's vision. And I went into my own explanation of, of that, but I would love to hear how writers use their own voice within someone else's show. Part of, I believe, the fundamental job of a staff writer is to support the vision of the showrunner. Right. I've been both a staff writer and a showrunner. Right. And the showrunner is really an impossible job, particularly the first time you're doing it. And there was a time on Crash when I wrote the first episode and everybody was pleased with that episode. Yeah, it was great. And thanks. And my uh, and the writers wrote the second episode. And I was happy with the second episode. Yeah. But it was not in the voice of the show. It was not my voice. Right. And I released it as a production draft, and it created a panic with the writers, uh, with the, uh, I'm sorry, the actors, the executives, the other producers. This is not the show. And I realized part of my paycheck is to be the voice and vision of the show. Right. So the script was well done. Right. And it did everything I wanted, but it didn't sound like me. Right. So I didn't really want to rewrite it. Right. I didn't want to step on the writers, but I felt I had to. And once I just did uh, pen changes and I put certain things and, and, and I did more of a rewrite than I had already done. Right. Everyone calmed down. Right. So that was a learning experience yeah. for me. So now that, and what I've done is when I went to to Hawthorne and I was the showrunner in the second season, it's about, as a showrunner, teaching people what you want and then guiding them and being open to their voice because writers will surprise you. And a good writer, a good showrunner, will say, yes, I'm surprised. I like that. Now let me take what you did and mess with it. Put it in my voice. Write it as if I would write it. That's their job, and right. that's part of the game. Right. So you're still, as a staff writer, contributing material that you believe in, right. that you feel hits the target, that is stuff that you want to see, that you want to write, but you're trying to decipher what the showrunner likes and support that vision. There are times on any show where you may not agree with that vision. You're not going to like that. Right. Okay. Work with it anyway. Right. Figure out if you have to do that scene, how do you write that scene so that you like it? Because if if you don't like what's going on, there's probably some audience member right. that doesn't like it. So how do you work on that it's a it's a it's a challenge it's it a is. difficult thing but but the the too many writers when they join a staff feel that their job is to mine their own personal history 
right. to generate stories, to work with other writers, and to contribute to the culture of the show. That's not true. Right. Their job is to support the showrunner's vision of the show. Right. Solely the showrunner, right. not the executives, not the actors. It's about supporting the showrunner. Right. And I think that writers don't, a lot of writers that I know don't get that because right. they haven't been showrunners and they haven't been, uh, you know, there's a lot of writing staffs around town that work out stories. Those stories might be great. Right. But if the showrunner doesn't believe that they themselves would write it, that they themselves can defend it to a network, that they can sell it to an actor. Then it's not then, consistent then it's with not, the voice of the show. That's right. Yeah. And but that, I think, that's the challenge. You know, it's interesting. And it's interesting because you and I come from two different perspectives and that I was an executive for as long as I mm. was. and 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 yet... I've worked with writers for the last three years, and, and the writer's vision is definitely something I'm, I'm very in touch with. I would say, say, from a viewer's viewpoint, like what I notice when I watch TV, and this is where I say to people, is you, your voice is what differentiates you as a writer. You definitely, I agree with you 150% as far as you have to stay within the hierarchy of the show and recognize when you're staff mm -hmm. level writer, or staff level through supervising producer, really, um, that you are delivering the vision of the showrunner. But within that, there is room for you to mine your personal story, add fiction to it, and bring characters alive. Like, I can tell you when I watch current, I watch a lot of TV, and when I study television, I, I know different writers' voices mm -hmm. within the showrunners. Mm -hmm. Like, I know who I like, and I know who I like consistently. Mm -hmm. And that's because their voice comes out within the framework of what the showrunner wants within the show. Yes. You know and what I'm saying? If the writer has a strong voice, yeah. the showrunner, who has a tremendous amount of work to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Administrative is, work is, mixed is, with creative, right. Is probably not going to mess with the, the show. Right. You know, it, 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 the showrunner wants somebody to have a strong voice, and then they want to be able to add to it right. and probably take credit because right. most showrunners are narcissists. Right. That's honest. But, That's so honest. <laughs> but, you know, when I go and I write a show, okay, I was on Criminal Minds Suspect Behavior, and I wasn't given a lot to write my episode. There was really just a one or two line pitch. Right. I went off and I wrote what I thought the show should be. Right. Uh, people have a strong reaction to right. that. Most people like it. Some people just say, no, this is not what I want. Right. I have that kind of a voice. I have a voice that it's a strong point of view. Yeah. And it takes confidence to and, – and, and I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I've, I've been working for a long time and, and I realize that, that. And this is not necessarily uh, – um, but it is attributed uh, 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 to uh, your confidence uh, uh, but, in your voice. But I have confidence in my mm -hmm. writing, and and you may not like my writing. I love your writing. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> but, no, but, now but I know you're free not to not. like my writing. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, many people like my writing. 
many people don't like my writing if right. they even know who I am. Right. But you you see my point of view. I do. That I'm gonna I'm gonna hit something that I think is good. Right. That I think is well crafted, and I like it. Right. And if you don't like it, change the channel. That's right. okay. Right. Or or, or if you're right. my boss, fire me. Right. Or tell me what you want differently. Right. That's okay because right. as artists, you have to have a strong point of view. Right. What happens is. Um, we just staffed the show, The Walking Dead. Yes, tell and, me about that process. And, and uh, that process was that uh, I was I was uh, uh, brought on to the show, so they were already the producers from um, season one were involved. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, people have different companies. They've met with different writers over the years, so they've uh, accumulated writers on different lists. And right. AMC puts forward. So so I saw the list, and the list was fine, but. It was, it was surprisingly short. And I said, well, is the, are these the only writers out there? Is this the best possible list to work from? Right. These people are fine, and there's a lot of talent here, but who else is out there, you know? So I started calling agents, and people know me, and I got a lot of submissions. And over the course of a few days, I read about 70 scripts. Wow. Okay? Good for o you. Over the course of about really Good looking for, for you, writers. Glenn. And I really wanted somebody who was going to surprise me, somebody who was a little off, somebody who was different, and and somebody who had a voice. And I put forward people who had strong voices, and Frank liked most of them. There was one person that he didn't respond to, and we got somebody else who, who was a real writer's writer. Right. So... What uh, type of scripts did you read for The Walking I, Dead? I read everything. I read everything. Original as well and, as and, text scripts. And yeah. what I found in that, in, those, in that material, okay, now that's a big cross-section during staffing. Yes. What I found was that most people, the scripts that are out there of people looking for jobs are scripts that have a premise in which the lead character is not the most interesting character in the script, and they don't drive any action. They play the straight man to the more interesting characters, and all they do is go through a series of revelations, a series of discoveries. They react. They react. Right. So a, a typical script is, I'm a guy, I'm an accountant in a shitty firm, and lo and behold, all of the guys upstairs are really selling arms to somebody or it's really the mob or they're doing something or they're aliens or whatever the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bring them down. If there was really a mobster running a company right. or an alien running a company, why would that not be number one on the call sheet? Why would that not be what the show is? The guy taking down Tony Soprano is not interesting. Right. Tony Soprano's interesting. Right. The guy trying to corral Jack Bauer is not interesting. Jack Bauer is interesting. And yet, I don't find scripts out there in which somebody wrote a kick-ass Jack Bauer character, a Tony Soprano character, a Nurse Jackie character. Those scripts are not being written unless they're being paid for. Well, it's interesting. I hear what you're saying, and you didn't get to read those. I can say, I mean, I've had uh, seven clients sell pilots now. Okay. And, and I think one of the rules of thumb that you touched on, which I think is very true, we look at the uh, landscape of what's working on TV. I totally agree, and, and it's something that I teach people, is 
your the story behind your central character is almost every bit as interesting, if not more so, as the concept of the show. Mm -hmm. So it's looking at Mad Men, it's looking at Dexter, it's looking at Breaking Bad, and it's looking at The Good Wife and thinking about how the backstory that's brought into the present and drives and makes the central character active is what makes story interesting. So I agree with you, and I think well, it is teaching people that. I, you know? I, and I agree with you. So, for example, The Good Wife, I, I don't remember the pilot, but she probably learns very early on her husband's cheating. The opening. Now what happens? Yeah, yeah. exactly. The dilemma But most of the, the scripts, right. most of the scripts that are being submitted for staffing, right. she finds out at the end of the pilot that right. her husband's cheating. You're right. And that's not what the show. You're right. Right. The show so, is so, about. So the yeah. the seven scripts mm -hmm. where that people sold. Right. They sold. Yeah. I'm saying these are scripts that are not selling. Right. Because and you're they're saying not, this is the reason they're not because selling. they're not active. Yeah. So yeah. so that's something that I think people need to, to yeah. focus. No, on. it's an excellent note. Now it is. let me let me say this. I I sometimes I'm asked by the WGA to come in and right. Maybe give some talks and uh, and uh, I speak at uh, sometimes little classes or something. Uh, what's interesting is that I think that when people go in and they interview with showrunners, that they need to tell their story. Yep. Too we many people come in, they tell their story. resume, and yeah. they come in and they should tell their story. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've covered that in a yep. lot of podcasts. Yep. And and your book and your your work. Um, but talk I, to I, us I, from a showrunner's point of view about wh how important that is. From a showrunner's point of view, I want somebody who's going to come in and and if somebody if I call somebody for an interview based on their script, I already like their writing. Mm -hmm. So I don't need them to come in and tell me they're a good writer. Right. That's a given. Right. Now I want to know what they're going to be like. Chances are they're going to be pleasant. Right. So I don't really need them to be pleasant. Right. So I want them to be able to tell me a story mm -hmm. that I can then exploit. Mm-hmm. For the good of the show. Right. Okay, you have right. an interesting background. Well, so does this character. That's something I can use. That's yes. something I can mine. It's about that. Yeah, um, that's too, great. Too many people come in and they are submissive mm -hmm. in a way that feels like a burden. Many people come in and say, I'm just here to learn. And my attitude is, go screw yourself because I'm not here to teach you. Right. That's not my job. Right. My job is to run this show and right. hopefully avoid cancellation. So now I have a needy writer who wants to be taught, but that's not part of the contract right. that I'm entering in. I'm entering into I'm going to gonna try to steer the ship yeah. away from the rocks and you're going to be a great member of the crew. But I'm saying we're going in that direction. That's what that is. No one's saying I have to teach you right, anything. Right. But people come in and they say that. They expect it. And 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 after one talk that I gave, uh, a guy came up and said, you know, and I, a guy came up and said, my agents tell me not to come on too strong in these meetings, and. I understand that you don't mm -hmm. want to come across as forceful or threatening or an asshole. I understand that, but. You want to come across as an individual, as a person with a voice. Yes. If you come across as meek, you're just falling into the pack. Yes. And then there's no reason for anyone to hire you. Right. 
You see, so the idea is that people maybe don't take a strong point of view in meetings or in their writing because they don't want to offend. But what you have to do is when you are writing, you have to commit to a point of view. Nobody wants to walk yes. through an art gallery and say, that's eh, nice, that's eh, nice. Nobody wants that. Right. You want something that's going to surprise you, that's going to be interesting. That's what art is. And I think what happens is too many writers look at it as if I commit to my artistic vision, I'm going to lose the sale, right. let's say. Right. Yeah, I'm going to scare away the customer. I'm going to scare away the client. Right. That's not art. But, the, I mean, you touched on the two interesting things. The interesting thing is when you think about story, you think about we want story to make us feel. That's why we watch story. It's the same thing when you have a meeting. You want to remember this writer because of how they make you feel through what they express. And it seems like the same, it's interesting, the same thing that you're talking about as a critique in writing where writers don't have a central character who is driving action is the same thing you're criticizing in a constructive way, in a great way, in the room. You're, you should be driving. You should be yeah. a character. Yeah. When I come into a meeting, mm -hmm. I am pitching myself as a, as, a, as a writer on this show. Right. I'm pitching myself as a character in a story. Right. Okay. I'm a guy right. from New York. I worked on this. I did this, that kind of stuff. And, and as I tell those stories, I'm illustrating character traits. Right. I can handle a crisis. I could do this. I'm not good at that or whatever. And, and I'm telling them who I am. But you know what my point of view is right. once I leave the meeting, mm -hmm. and you feel that I'm going to drive the process. Right. I'm not going to be a person who's passive, who's going to wait and be told what to work on, who's going to be told, yes, that's a good idea, invest in it. I'm going to find the good idea, bring it to you, right. and, and it's about me offering myself to the showrunner. Right. I'm here to offer things to the showrunner, hopefully trying to contribute to his or her vision of the show. Right. So it's it's a measure of of having the confidence to sacrifice yourself. Right. And take a risk. Yes. And move out of your comfort zone. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um I would love for you to go into the politics of what it is to be a working writer in this town and have a career for as long as you've had and some of the craziness that can be involved in the writer's room and advice on helping writers navigate that process. When we write or do anything creative in Hollywood in particular, okay, we have to mine our own emotional life. And you have to push inside and examine your feelings, take risks, use your imagination in a, an environment in which everyone has ideas, everyone has critiques, everyone's seen every movie, everyone's seen every TV show. And it's hard to be original and fresh and true to yourself. And there are all the other pressures of competition and success and failure and, and ego. And and without sounding like, you know, a Hollywood idiot who's saying, poor me, poor me, it's it's challenging. It's tough. And it's it can be frightening. 
and it can um, be incredibly anxiety-producing. And I think what happens is this anxiety is what is the is is the uh, direct cause of all of the craziness in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. As creative people do their job, it's going to make them anxious. Right. Neurosis is a part of brilliance. <laughs> that, that's what it is. Yeah. You are always. Everyone has all of this energy, and and the stakes are very high. Right. And everyone has good intentions and wants to make great art. And you have the anxiety that you're not going to achieve that. You're not going to reach that horizon. Mm-hmm. But it's a horizon. It can't be achieved. Right. This, to me, is the artist's dilemma. Yeah. And that anxiety leads to a, an incredible amount of bad behavior, mm-hmm. very, very unprofessional behavior. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if professionalism is valued in Hollywood. I could make the case it's not. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. I think that's a fair thing. I mean, we, you, you base it on the experience that you've had because that's all you have to go on. Right, right. Yeah. I would say two writers realize that what you're doing is going to be anxiety producing. And the goal, the problem that people face or or the, the solution that most people look for is to eliminate the anxiety. Well, if this person can just get their act together or we just give enough money or we just get an award or we just do this, the anxiety goes away. That's not true. Right. The anxiety is part of what we do here. Right. And the way I approach my jobs is to create space in which indulges artistic craziness. Right. I don't expect people to behave, I but I just make sure that if they – don't behave, it doesn't ruin the show. Right. The show, and and so instead of constricting other people's behavior and trying to control people, you create a climate of- Organized chaos. Of organized chaos. (laughs) And and you listen to people. Right. And you be the adult in the room. Mm -hmm. And you you just tell people it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. The show's either going to be a hit or it's going to be canceled. Right. If it's canceled, you'll get another job. Right. Or you or you'll do something better. Right. And and you just talk people through their anxiety. This is the way I approach my job. And that seems to be working for me. Good. So I would say don't engage in the politics of the room. If when people are arguing in a room, realize that an argument is good. If it's if it's if it's leading to something uh, that's better, uh, uh, creative, right. creatively, right? You know, um, um, I, in the writers' room today, you know, some uh, writer was digging in on a point, and I was looking for another point, and I just said, you know, you're getting under my skin, and then I realized. Well, that's great. He's gotten under my skin. He's hit a nerve. He has I a must point really of view. care about it. He right. has a point of view. Now, whatever happens will be a third point of view, some amalgam mm-hmm. of my work and his. Right. That's exciting. That's right. new. Right. So what I I've been, love that. What, what I've that's been trying great. to do is is not uh, is not feel. I th- I think over my career I've I've uh, hopefully become um, more generous, less 
snarky, less unforgiving, less of a know-it-all. You know, there's a lot of young writers who come out and they have some success and they say, oh, well, this is, you know, this is proof that I'm brilliant. This is proof that I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talented. What we do is really hard. Mm-hmm. And... And sometimes people fail and sometimes mm-hmm. people succeed and they may fail this once and they may succeed the next time. If you fail, it doesn't mean you're a failure. Right. It just means that that story kicked your ass. And after you write a couple dozen scripts and you work on a few hundred episodes of TV. You can fail your way to the top. They, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully I've done that. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and there's always something more to do. There's yeah. always the, the, what's great about writing is every script is a blank page. It yes. starts with a blank page. Yes. It's going to kick your ass. It's going to be hard. It's going to require an investment of countless hours to figure it out. And 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 it really brings you back down to earth. It humbles to, you. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a humbling experience. Yeah. And, and so I think that um, that's... That's what's important. I guess the more I do this, the less I think I know, the less I realize I've been lucky. I've had a lot of stories that have broken the way I've wanted them to. Um, the stories that haven't broken that way, those are out there too. Hopefully people aren't watching those as much. Um, but you're always lot, learning. And, and there's a That's lot of stories great. that I've stuck in a drawer. And maybe mm-hmm. I'll go back to and I have dozens of ideas in my head that hopefully I'll live to be 4,000. I'll get to write them all. But it's it's really, I think, um, the, the, the realization that there's no end to the process. You can never be on top of it. It's always going to be another script. There's always going to be a blank page. There's always going to be another story to write. And everyone's going through that same artistic Mm -hmm. crisis. So I think that what I've been trying to say to people is support each other as Mm -hmm. writers. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Try to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Try to be forgiving. Try to be generous. You know, read each other's scripts. Give constructive notes. Mm -hmm. Not, you did this wrong. Right. Ask what were you going for? How can uh, how can I help you? Try try to um, listen to people and try to um, have a dialogue in a way that encourages more dialogue, that encourages a discussion. Not where not to have the kind of voice, a writer's voice, that shuts down everybody else's voice, and you're just the loudest in the room. The best writer's voice is a voice that engages people and has and and has them creates in them the need to say something on their own mm-hmm. if that so makes you're ta- sense yeah no you're talking about the idea of being interactive and like i've had a conversation i remember in my career once that i had a conversation that talks to this idea that because of a writer at a high level was too busy defending that that there was no room for listening to what the note was and it was coming from the network. And, mm-hmm. and that is a problem because I think the, the most collaborative part of the creative process is when you respect one another and you allow time to really hear before you defend. 
And and so I think it really is like like I can certainly say my job as a story consultant is not pissing all over somebody's work, but it's figuring out what's in their mind and their heart that mm -hmm. isn't making it to the page mm -hmm. and really trying to understand what that vision is. Right. And you I know? think a lot of writers give notes in which they read material and it's not what they would have written. Right. So now they give notes. Well, you w could have written it. You should How have they would write it. Yes. Yeah. This is wrong. Yes. My answer is right. Right. I try to give notes where I say, I like what you wrote. Here's an opportunity. I think there's some more here. Right. You could do it this way. Right. Good luck to you. If right. you don't want to do it, I don't care. It's right. your script. It's right. A, you're, the, you're the artist. So I think it's more about you're giving them freedom. That's nice. You're giving them guidance, you're offering but you're not something. locking them in. You're offering something. Yeah. You don't have to win. You can't win. Mm -hmm. This is not a game to be won. This is a game uh, which is played for the sake of playing. Right. Well, it's a practice. Yes. I mean, you touched upon the thing about it is, like, I've done yoga for 15 years, and I always compare writing and yoga because... Yoga is a practice. It's never anything that you're going to get to a point where you can do everything perfectly all the time. It just doesn't. You're going to have days where right. you're more flexible, mm -hmm. and you're going to have days where you're less flexible. You're going to have days where you can hold a handstand and days where you can't even begin to hold a handstand. Mm -hmm. And that's what the right, and that's what living is, and that's what learning is, and being open. And I have to, I have to commend you. I mean, even like listening to you versus, um, which I loved, our very first interview, and I've loved knowing you over the year, and I love when you spoke at my very first seminar three years ago That's as right. well, you know? And I, I think the biggest thing I have loved about you all the way along is, is your honesty, your candor, your heart, and I think even me listening to you and seeing your growth is amazing. Well, yeah. That's, that's very, very yeah. To say. No, that's I very, hope that nice. I hope that more people understand gratitude as they climb the ladder, despite falls along the way, but really learning from those falls and moving forward. Because I think when you talk about the anxiety that comes up in the writers' room, no matter what, and it will always or, be there. Or just you have a choice. In your career. Yeah. Just, just, just mm -hmm. it, it, not even in the writers' room. Just, mm -hmm. just being in your head as a writer. Yes. But yes, I cut you off. You, no, you, you, it, you do. You ha it's a dilemma. You can choose to let the anxiety and the fear ruin your career and end it. Or you could use it as fuel to move forward. Let's put it like uh, I, I agree. You know, I had a uh, pilot at Fox mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. And I, I love this pilot. I'm very happy with this pilot. And Fox uh, gave notes that they wanted the um, pilot rewritten. I didn't understand the notes. Right. Okay. And I wasn't sure about the notes. So I have the ambition, of course, I would love my pilot shot. I would love my show to go to series. Mm -hmm. And I had a hard choice. What do I do? Do I... Do I dance th with th them? Do, do, do I try it? Mm -hmm. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to get off the carousel. I'm mm -hmm. going to delay it a year. We'll have a discussion when you guys are ready. Go shoot your other pilots. And we'll talk about it, and we'll decide what's what's best for you, and what's best for me, and what's best for the show. Right. 
And then I had several offers, uh, including showrunning offers. And I'm not the showrunner on The Walking Dead. Frank Darabont is. Right. I'm what's considered the number two. Right, which is show. great. And um, But I turned down several showrunning gigs because I felt that I was going to have fun on this show. I was going to enjoy writing it. I would be in the zone. I like the material. I like the show. AMC seems fine. Uh, seems like a good bunch of people. I hadn't worked with them previously. Uh, I like I like Frank and, and Robert and Gail. So I, um, again, had to suppress my ambition and my uh, ego to write what I thought was going to be the best work. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy. You chose joy, though. That's great. I mean, when you think about it, when you recognize in life what's most important, that you wake up every day and you enjoy doing what you do, or is it that you are the highest position or the highest paid? The joy is is certainly something that I think people move into because it's quality of life. I guess it's getting older. Yeah. <laughs> but, Isn't it? It's the it's truth. But I love that. It is. Age. But that's but, good. You have a greater appreciation. You know, and but, because of that, mm-hmm. that pilot at Fox, if you choose to move forward with it and they choose, could be in that much stronger of a place because yeah, of that we'll, choice. Well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. You know, but but I'm, I'm happy with the show now. Of yeah. course, the cynical part of me assumes the show will get canceled or I'll get fired in the morning right. or whatever happens. <laughs> That's but, honest. Uh, it'll be fine. I got, you know, yeah. I'll rewrite the pilot. But, but I think the biggest There's message. always time to sell your soul. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do it quite yet. You know? <laughs> Be ready for it when yeah, it happens. Yeah. That's plan B. <laughs> Selling your soul is plan B. Exhaust every possible plan Before A Before you get there. Right, right, Yeah. Right. No, I think that's great. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Last question. And you've touched on this. And it's mm-hmm. interesting. So it's almost like when you – one of the biggest things for writers to know about is learning how to navigate the ego through the process of writing and stay true to your own vision Mm -hmm. while understanding the framework of the hierarchy and the politics. Um, Any other advice that you would give writers as far as, um, like when we look at the climate nowadays and there are so musical chairs, there are less seats to sit in. It's really tough out there. It's, It's, I know a lot of writers who are looking for work. I've been in that position myself. Uh, I broke in as a freelance writer on Nash Bridges, and uh, I, I can't uh, imagine how difficult it is just landing an agent now. And, and I really sympathize, and that's why I do these talks, these kind of yeah. talks. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, I can I can um, at least say something that might be helpful to people. Um, I think, particularly for younger writers, what's really important is um, resilience and flexibility. And what happens in a writer's room is a lot of younger writers are looking for validation, so they dig in defending their ideas. And what's valuable to me when I'm running a show is the writer who says, "Um, you don't like that idea? How about this one? Okay, how about this one? How about this one? 
And the people who can do it on the spot, who can just riff, are very few and far between. It's surprising how if you if if I think that the one of the number one things I'm hiring a writer for is their imagination, it's interesting how there's a certain type of imagination where someone can just have a scene completely out of nowhere and pitch that scene. Um, most writers' rooms, I guess, maybe have one person who can do this. You know, Sean Ryan's brilliant at this. Kurt Sutter is fantastic at this. And um, that's a rare talent. That is something that if you can see people do that and try to develop that skill that's invaluable. That's great. That's, you know, if, if a baseball team is going for, you know, that home run hitter, the, the big idea person, the, not the person who can hear a, a, a pitch and then say, well, what if we cut it this way? Or what if we angle it this way? Or what if we dial it in here? That, that always gets done. But if a story, you know, if a story's not working and you say, oh, how about this? How about, you know, and you just throw something way out there. Um, that's still consistent with the voice of the show. That's that's what everybody's looking for. for. Yeah, you you make yourself um, invaluable. I think you recommended a book, The Linchpin. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, that's how you do it, and that requires a certain type of dexterity Mm -hmm. of imagination, and that's what I think people need to develop more than anything. Right. Because you can be a jerk and Mm -hmm. get a job. You can be stupid and get a job. But if you can generate ideas that nobody else has, that's what people are looking for. Believe it or not. I mean, this is just kind of a a cold truth. and, And, but, you know, I've worked with a lot of difficult people and I've worked with a lot of people who aren't bright and I've worked with a lot of people who are brilliant but can't generate ideas. Uh, you know, it's all over the map. But the idea that that um, of just generating story out of nowhere, of pure imagination, that's the golden ticket, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, how you develop that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? You absorb um, life. You absorb life. And interpret it and fictionalize and, and, it. And, 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 yeah. you, and you put yourself in a field where you know you can deliver that. Mm-hmm. You know, The Walking Dead is a gritty show, mm-hmm. okay? It's it's a show about survivors, the zombie apocalypse. There's a, a certain amount of raw violence. Mm-hmm. There's um, a certain amount of soap. Uh, it's bare bones. I believe... I'm a good choice for that show. Right. There are shows, there are shows like, um, there there are, you know, alias type shows that have a lot of computers, that that have um, um, conspiracies and levels of bureaucracy, sort of like criminal mind suspect behavior. I was not good on that show. Right. Okay, but I it's, a, it's when good I, to when understand. I, when I wrote yeah. an episode, mm-hmm. I wrote about about a rapist snatching women out of parking lots and keeping them in in his auto body shop. Right. That's as gritty as you could get on that show. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, there wasn't. You know, I didn't have any computers. I, you know, right. I, I just wasn't good at that show. I would not be good on a on a law show. Right. Um, Hawthorne, 
uh, on the, the episodes that were really in my voice, and I worked in a hospital for 13 years, I did not do medical mysteries. Right. House does those things brilliantly. Right. I, I'm, I'm not that smart. I can't do a Sherlock Holmes type show. So so it's it's a matter of also trusting your voice and seeing where you can fit in. I'm lucky. There's a show on the air that I can fit in. Right. You know, if if That's it was uh, so so um uh, I'm lucky in that way. So it's a, it's a matter of I think going for shows that you feel you're right for, you know, not thinking not writing, well, my agent thinks they're going to pick up these type of mm-hmm. shows, so I'm writing a spec, so I'm eligible for that. You're not going to stand out of the pack. You have right. to say, this is what I do. This is what I do well. And you, and, 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 and own and, it and, and sell it and, and be not passionate saying, about it. And yep. I'm not saying pigeonhole yourself mm-hmm. or do the same thing over and over. You can always find a fresh take. I mean, right. I think The Walking Dead is very different from The Shield. Right. But you can also see certain similarities I there. I agree. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You could you I could throw crash in that. Yeah. And and you could say, okay, I kind of get they're yeah. they're all ensembles. I agree. So I'm good, hopefully, with that sort yeah. of material. So it's a matter of, you know, I don't understanding know, pe- your strength. You know, yeah. my kids watch American Idol. I watch it sometimes. You know, not every singer can sing every song. Right. So it's a matter of you know they always tell the guys pick the right song this week. It's that. It's make sure you pick a script that you can nail it. Right. And if you just focus and you nail that one script. Right. Then you take the next one. Right. And you nail that one. It's a question of, I think, slowing down. Right. And just saying, I've got these 60 pages. I'm going to make, I've got this one scene. I'm Mm going to make it as good as possible. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go on to the next one. When that's done, then I'll do that. And, and, And don't let the chatter of deadline Hollywood and what's getting picked up and what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is developing. Don't let that paralyze you and infect your writing. Mm -hmm. Just write, find out what you're good at, and then be great at that. Great. That is excellent. I'm so excited. You You, you have enlightened us, and I (laughs) love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. There are a few things I want to mention before we close. I want to mention TV Tracker. I want to give a shout out to TV Tracker. This is a website that gives you all of the up-to-date information on current shows and pilots in development and developing shows and networks and employees of networks and employees of shows. It is a... Uh, invaluable site and I recommend it Uh, you can check it out at www.tvtracker.com I also wanted to mention a few things that I have out product wise I have my book storyline finding gold in your life story you can get that on amazon.com the writer's store Samuel French bookstore uh, online Barnes and Noble and uh, border books and I also have TV Writing Toolkit, which is now available on Kindle. Uh, This is a compilation of my five top-selling workbooks put into a book. Uh, You can, again, get that on Kindle for $9.99. And I have two DVDs that I just came out with that are available at the Writer's Store as hard copies and downloads. The first one is called Writing the Feature Script. And the second one is called Story Tools. 
and I design these products because everybody learns in a different way, whether you learn from hearing, uh, participating in a one-on-one -on -one consult, listening to a teleseminar, listening to a CD, watching a DVD. It's all about understanding how you learn. Uh, and so I, I did all the different platforms as a way to provide you with a variety to learn about story. This is Jen Grisanti of Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. I want to thank you for joining us. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. This podcast was recorded at the studios of Icebox Logic.